0: Holds up for three, up the three boom! Looks it. Curry from the corner at three, puts it in. For overtime, makes it. Garrett, Welcome to the MVP cast from me, Mark Woods. It is the 50th edition, so we really wanted to have a true legend of British basketball as a guest this time around, and I'm glad we've got someone. Who had one of the greatest careers of his generation. He started off at Leicester Riders, was a second-round draft pick in the NBA, although he never ended up playing there. He had an incredible career in Europe with some of the biggest clubs around, as well as on the international stage for England and Great Britain. He's now based in Denver, and he's a father to one of the most talented girl bowlers on the planet. Andy Betts, welcome to the MVP cast. Thanks for having me, Mark.
1: Good to talk to you.
0: We have so many things that we could talk about from your giant hoops odyssey around the places, all the places you went to and so many great players that you played with or against. But we've spoken a lot over the years. But I want to start off with a question that I never quite recall you you answering. You were picked 50th overall in the draft. Charlotte Hornets took you out of... Long Beach State, and instead yep. you signed that, that season for Fortitude to Bologna. It, it's not unusual for second round draft picks not to go into the NBA, but how close did you ever come to getting a deal in the league? Because I think eventually your rights ended up with, with the Pacers, but what was the closest that ever came to you going into the league? I'd, I'd say... Um...
1: I I when I was drafted, um, I went to like a mini camp with the Hornets. So there was a bunch of the guys who were drafted, which was me, and I think first round was Ricky Davis that year. Mm-hmm. Um, and then just a bunch of uh, free agents who weren't drafted. And I tell I tell you that Brad Miller was there. He you know he ended up from Purdue. He didn't get drafted, but he ended up having like a very good nba career i think he may may even have been all-star one year yeah and nate huffman was there if you remember from maccabi tel aviv who you know when he came to europe he was one of the best bigs in europe for a long time so it was a bit of a baptism of fire for me i I, you know i i realized then that wow yeah i I don't think i was physically ready for the nba you know because the conference i was playing in you know, it wasn't one of the best conferences. There was only it was Michael Candy obviously, um, who were both drafted the same year, him <laughs> number one and me number fifty. Um, um, but yeah, I, I, I didn't feel I was I could tell right then I wasn't physically ready, so no way I was gonna they weren't gonna offer me uh, a contract at that time. So, you know, the best thing for me to do was, you know, go to go to Europe and obviously having the British passport, you know it was there was a lot of good options for me, but I'd say the closest I got was probably like two or three years into my career. When I played summer league, I think it was in Orlando and I actually played against uh, John Amici that, that summer. I think he was, it was like right before he went into the NBA and I, and I, they told me, you know, we thinking we want you to come to camp and, you know, they were kind of showing more interest than, than they ever had. Um, But, you know, to me, like with the, you know, the offers I was getting in Europe, which were all, you know, at that time were really good. And it just, it just wasn't an obsession at that time for me to go to the NBA. I wasn't, I wasn't going to risk, you know, playing in the G League or something like that and bouncing back and forth. And I just wanted to honestly make as much money as I could when I could. And, um, you know, I was just enjoying my time in Europe and, you know, that, Looking back, do I wish that I would have probably one year given it a real good go and gone to camp and 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 tried like really tried? Yeah, I, I could say that I, I I probably wish I had done that, but I just wasn't getting any guaranteed offers and I in in the NBA and I just you know, just took what I could get in Europe. That's kind of the way it went for me.
0: Well, when you come into a situation like that where you know you're a Marshall Pick, and but. You know, there's plenty of British players that have been that in that sort of situation where you're kinda of going, do I, do I stick around? Do I wanna grind or do I go to Europe? I mean, what sort of advice did you get at the time? I mean, were you listening to agents? Were you talking to other players? I mean, where did the insight come from for you? Um, yeah, mainly
1: from my agent. You know, I had a I had a really I had one of the top agents. It was uh, you know, Bill Duffy, BDA Sports. They had a huge the international division was probably the biggest at that time, if not still is. You know, they they handle. Mo- uh, Radi Filipovic is the the head of the European, the European division, and um, yeah. So you know, I had I had good people, good people telling you know advising me what to do, and um, you know, and it, it just wasn't it just wasn't a good enough. They just weren't. Keen enough on me in the NBA, I, I you know, for me to, to, for me to take the, to take the risk. But now, now looking back at it, if I, if I if maybe I would have said, you know, if there's any chance, you know, can I just come into camp and, and give it a go? Because, seems to be a, a lot of the guys in the NBA you just got to stick around for a year or two, and then you kind of just stay in there. It seems, and, and and the NBA, it seems like you just need one, one coach or one club to really like you and then you can get in there and then you know if you figure out your role it seems like a lot of guys if they figure out what what the teams want you know not necessarily always scoring this guy's big guys who have stayed in the NBA their whole career you know can hardly make a layup but they can do other things rebound block shots whatever it is set screens you know you, you got to figure out your 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 role in the nba and i don't know it i mean looking back yeah I, I i wish i would at least one year gave it a real go but you know wasn't meant to be i, I don't have no real big regrets though. So, you know i'm happy with my career and you know just didn't happen
0: i mean that career started as we said at Western riders and you're a local boy there but you only really began to play properly at the age of 15 and yeah Fourteen, fifteen, yeah, I mean, grammar school. Kid. So how did you slip through the net for so long?
1: I just didn't play basketball at all. <laughs> I, you know, I was uh, playing uh, football, swimming, and then I think it was about when I got to Ashby. Ashby Grammar School. Um, I had a friend um, who played, who played like club in Ashby, club basketball. And he he Chris Priest his name was he was like you know you why don't you give basketball a go so we just started playing you know before school and lunchtime maybe at Ashby uh, the grammar school and then just kind of took off the 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 PE teacher at Ashby Grammar his name was Keith Yules he got me started playing for the Ashby Aztecs it's called <laughs> the the club team over there. And yeah, I mean, obviously, with my height, and uh, you know, kind of, obviously, came a lot easier than uh, to me than a lot of people. And and then it, it where I tell you how it all really started. My parents took me to watch the Leicester Riders play against the Worthing Bears. I think it was like nineteen ninety three or nineteen ninety four. You know how all kids like they shoot around at halftime on the on the baskets when they can. So I did that. And the riders' the riders junior coaches saw this 6'10 kid <laughs> shooting around on the basket. So they're all like, oh my goodness. So they all came up to me and, you know, do, do you play basketball? And, you know, do you want to come play for the junior teams? And that's kind of how, how it happened. And then the crazy thing is within a year of me watching this, the riders play, I'm like playing for them in a year. So yeah, it was it was crazy how fast it moved. It really was. <sighs>
0: When you come into the game, obviously it was a it's quite a glamorous era and you know, relative terms for British basketball. But you know, who was who was your role models in the game that you were able to look up? Well, um,
1: at the at the riders, there was um, you know Dave Harris, the the big guy Buck Harris. He was kind of the the British big guy, and it was he was kind of I worked with him a lot when i was when i was first starting i used to take like a bus from Ipstock where i lived over to work out with him at the at Granby Halls at the time i know you remember Granby Halls um yeah so and then you know the the americans at that time were uh, Eugene Waldron John Trezvan. um you know there was Dylan Bogg there the british player and um yeah the, there was a lot a lot of good veterans for me to who helped me and, uh, you know, looked after me and, yeah, showed me the game. But especially Dave Harris, just because he played the same position as me. And he was an excellent low post player. I mean, he had all the hook shots, you know, back to the basket game, little short jump shots. And I think his footwork was one of the best for a British guy that ever played, uh, especially, I mean, just at least in the BBL. I think he, you know, he was just a great guy for me to 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 start learning off when I started playing, so
0: because how important was that because often you went on to college in in the states and but you all talk about getting the fundamentals down early and yeah. people don't talk about young players in this country necessarily always getting that but you know, it seems that you were relatively fortunate that you had good people showing you yeah. things very young
1: yeah i was i you know and I, I had um you know Drew Barrett, who played for the Riders, and he actually ended up going to the same college as me. Uh, he was at CW Post before I got there. His dad kind of took me under his wing a lot too, and you know he took me to uh, a couple of times to the big Orange Camp at Syracuse in New York. Um, you know, and he, he, it, you know, drove me around a lot to all kinds of whatever tournaments we were playing in, and yeah. So I was lucky. I had a lot of I had a lot of good people who kind of looked after me and, um, you know, got me to where I needed to be. And, uh, you know, help. he was also a coach, so he helped me out a lot with, with you know, learning the game as well. So, yeah, I, I did get lucky. And, um, you know, when, within such a short period of time, it developed, you know, so fast, you know, to get. To, uh, to be able to go to the, to the States, you know, a couple of years after start actually picking a basketball up, so.
0: How much of a, a kind of different world, and we'll talk about your daughter Lauren, who's incredibly talented young man, mm. but it's, that was the era where bigs were bigs, and yeah. you that if you were tall, you were put into a box, yeah. and that was, you know, that's what you have to do, stand near the basket, dunk the ball, block the ball, stay on the post. You know, did, was that the experience that you had back then or you know are we kind of misremembering what it was like at that point
1: no I definitely agree my my era of playing when you were my height yeah you were under the basket like very rarely were the guys stepping out and shooting freeze or even some of them you know like like me basically like didn't even really step out to the foul line you know we were just kind of playing inside and that was fine I mean that's what I did and in my whole career and you know did okay out of it but yeah the game the game is definitely changing definitely changing it you know it seems even guys 6'10 if you're 6'10 or less you're outside shooting freeze and uh yeah I think it's just the way the game's goes it's gone three-pointers has just become so important that Everyone, everyone's practising and learning how to shoot freeze now and st- steps outside a lot more. Do you
0: know what your three-point career percentage
1: was? <laughs> I, I never took a three-point in my whole career. Like, uh, Unless you're counting like a half-court, you know, heave at the end of the half or the game. No, I never shot one free. Not one. Pretty crazy. All just those years. Cheeky game. Just I know, player. I know, but... Uh, yeah, you'd think like a, if we were up, up thirty, forty points at the end of the game, but no, I was I was too busy under the basket even then. So I didn't even have the. I never got it on the 3 point line, maybe to do a handoff or to set a screen, but nope, not one. Still time. You could,
0: that could be your second.
1: Yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh yeah, I play, well. I play. I play. Uh, I play. You know, for fun now, and I, I definitely get a, a
0: couple up now and again for fun. <laughs> yeah, so. <laughs> You yeah, yeah. um, you have this career coming out of Long Beach State and obviously coming into Europe and you end up playing Italy, Greece, Spain, Ukraine. This like anomaly, but yeah, you know, the Europe's biggest biggest you know, leagues. And that f- your first season at 4-2, do you guys go to the EuroLeague final four? You play against Virtus Bologna, so the two yeah. rivals in the semi-finals What was that game like? Because that's that's the Derby, and then you're playing a Derby to reach a European final. I mean, I remember, you know, seeing Panathinaikos Olympiakos square for a final four, and that was bonkers crazy. But back then when Virtus and Fortitudo were both big time teams in Europe, what was it like to play in that kind of rivalry? And then particularly in a game like that, that was so huge.
1: I mean, that atmosphere, it was in Munich and, i just you know coming from, um, coming from Leicester Riders and then to to Long Beach State which was you know it wasn't a huge it wasn't a huge university you know um crowds you know 2 3000 maybe to go to the to the rivalry that yeah Fortitudo and to Ver- Vietus was was just incredible you know we played we played them already I think six times that year and we'd beat them every time. And, you know, remember the team that they had then was, you know, Sasha Danilovic, Rigaudel, uh, the all the Italian, like, legends that they had with Messina coaching. And, you know, it was just an unbelievable rivalry We shared the same gym at that time as well. So, you know, we were around each other a lot. Um, and... It was just unbelievable. You know, Munich, if you remember Munich, they had riot police because there was just so much craziness going on in the stands. And so we, yeah, we ended up losing to them that game, which was an unbelievable game. And that was the only time we lost to them that whole year, which was pretty much, the, you know, the most most important game of the of that season. But it, just unbelievable atmosphere. I, you know, I've never seen anything like it. And Still to this day, it was still, you know, with all the amazing games I played in Greece, with you know, yeah, Panathinaikos, Olympiakos, and Ike, But that that atmosphere in Munich that year is just wow. Was it? it was crazy?
0: Was that season though? Because you're going, you know, yeah, from. I mean, growing up in the UK, played college in the States, English-speaking countries, then you go into this place in Italy. foreign turf, really, for the first time. Yeah. In a proper basketball environment as well, because, you know, back then probably the Italian league was, you know, probably still the top league in Europe. How much did it open your eyes to kind of be in that new kind of environment?
1: Well, yeah. I mean, if if you think about the team that, that we had that year, I mean, Carlton Myers, Karnishvili, Fudzka, Marka uh, Yarich was on the team. Mula Merovic. I mean, I could just keep keep going. They're just legends of the European game, and they're all on the same team. And this is my first ever professional year. So yeah, it was just such a such a huge change to to be in that, such a professional environment. You know, with guys who had been there, done that already, and they got this. You know, rookie. British rookie coming in you know which obviously British when you know you're British you don't get a whole lot of respect most people you know don't think that there's people from from Britain even play basketball at that time so you know you have to just prove you have to prove to them that you know how to play the game and you can be you know live in that kind of professional environment Um, but it
0: was, was actually really British, but you know, it was yeah, British. you're right. British, that's right. Yeah. His dad,
1: I met his dad a bunch of times. Yeah, yeah, he, he's half British, half Italian, right? Yeah, um, but wow, yeah, it was just an un- un- incredible experience.
0: When you go from there on to Real Madrid and you win the ACB, which I, I'm not sure many, if any other Brit has managed that. Um. But it's such a big club. I mean, it's historical. Yeah. Everything about it, the aura of Real Madrid. You know, okay, largely borrowed from football, but it's still, it's a huge storied basketball club. What's the difference going in somewhere like that where you know, when you go in, you're absolutely expected to deliver, or help to deliver success? So the,
1: the way the Real Madrid thing was, that was actually after my second year. Mm-hmm. If I, I went to Reggio Emilia my second year, who were kind of the parent club of Fortitudo, so I played a whole season in Reggio Emilia, um, which we didn't didn't have as good team as Fortitudo, so we we didn't make the playoffs or anything, so we kind of finished early. So Real they Madrid is still and they bring
0: you in for the end of the season, yes. For
1: the glory, Real Real Madrid was still in the playoffs, and I think they had a couple of injuries to big guys, so they're obviously they're looking around to see you know who's available, who's done already. So my agent calls me and was like, you know, Real Madrid are kind of interested you to go into the playoffs. So I'm like, oh, my goodness. That's, you know, let's do it, man, of course. And then uh, Reggie Emilia refuses because they still have my rights until the end of everyone's season. They ref- they wouldn't let me go. <laughs> they're like, so they're looking for money, basically. So I had to, you know, we had to negotiate and give a percentage or whatever for them to let me go, even though their season was over. Yeah, that's the way Europe works. Um. But yeah, just going. I mean, it's kind of nerve wracking going. You know, everyone Real Madrid—it's just incredible. And yeah, that was that was also a. In, in, in a lot of a lot of the Spanish superstars were on that team, and Georgevich was the point guard at that time. You know, the the Serbian legend. Um, and uh, Scari Scariola was the coach. That's right. So yeah, that just another another incredible experience and you know to jump jump into the spanish league at such a time in the season took a little bit of adjusting but there was such a great great group of guys on that team brent scott the you know the american who played a lot of years and he was the american big guy and he's like the nicest guy that there is so he was you know just a lot of guys on the team was such, such a great help let you know got me settled in quickly and uh you know, I, I didn't play. A, I'm not going to say I played a whole lot, but you know, I contributed, especially, especially towards the end in the the, the final series against Barcelona and a few of the last games. I had my better games, so that wasn't a bad time to do that. And uh, just to win a, a win a championship I, after being there such a short time was amazing.
0: Was there ever talks of you, how close were you just staying on there for another year?
1: I had to offer three years, actually. I had a I
0: had an offer of
1: three years from them and then three years from uh, Ike, where I went next in Greece, so um if you want me to talk about how, how I made that? Yes. So, I had, uh, my agents were Serb, my, my head guy was Serbian of my international division, so who I'm dealing with day-to-day, so I had this three-year offer from from Madrid, Ike comes in, which is, you know, along with Olympiakos and Panathinaikos it's the third third team in Greece at that time they had uh legend um Ivkovic was the coach you know Serbian he'd been he coached Petrovic everyone at in you know for Serbia he's you know a legend coach um a bunch of they, they had big money at the time they did they had you know a lot of the greek national team guys and uh you know, going to, to going to Ivkovic, my, my agent was just really pushing for me to go there. I didn't know a whole lot about him at that time. Um And I really did like, he's like, listen, you go there, you're going to develop way more than you will in Madrid. They're going to, you won't play as much in Madrid. And, you know, it wasn't an easy decision because, you know, how do you turn down Real Madrid? It's, it's tough, but Turns out that was, you know, the best move I ever made because the success that I had with with in Greece and the development, I think, I, I don't think I would have had that in Madrid at that time. So, you know, it was it was a great decision
0: for me. I mean, you won the league and cup, obviously, in Greece. But it was Iqovich. I mean, the, the impression you always get looking at him is he's quite a stern guy. Is that, <coughs> is that what he's like as a coach? yeah he is and but he has a he has a softer side
1: too you know you don't see that obviously a lot during game time on t v and stuff but he he had a he had a softer side he he's someone you could uh you know you could talk to um he, he's he's a strict coach for sure and he had his way of doing things we you know we'd work really you know very hard as all serving coaches they that's that's the way they do they they think working hard is you know, is every day 100 percent, full intensity you know you're never going to get days off with with uh with coaches from that from that um area and but he he's a excellent coach you know i learned learned so much from him and um we had a really good uh assistant coach Milan who went on to head coach a little bit after that as well and um, Katsikaris was my, Fotis Katsikaris. he was another assistant coach. Obviously, he went on, he's still coaching, head coach in Spain now. Um, he was the Greek assistant coach at that time. And so, you know, they had great coaching staff and great, great set of players. Dekudis Kakuzis, you know, still, uh, who, I, who I played with in Aris as well after that. But Martin Muirsep, um Kutulay, the Turkish guy, he was on the team for a while and, um, yeah, just unbelievable team, and the 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 games we played in the Owaka against Panathinaikos, twenty thousand people sometimes, and Olympiakos, and uh, the Greek Greek league then was was amazing. You know, it was one of the probably the best league at that time as well. So, yeah, I I, I look back on those years with Ike with you know real great great memories. <laughs>
0: How much of an intimidation factor, though, did you feel in some of those venues? Because, you know, it's... Greece isn't known for being a passive basketball audience. <coughs> What's it like when sometimes walking? in... There must have been nights where you walked into certain gyms and thought, genuinely, am I going to get out of here alive? Tonight?
1: Oh, yeah. They're, they're, I remember games where they've they've um, you know they they always had the security you know the police a lot of police presence in every gym you went to at that time but there was times when yeah they had to walk us to our bus after and they'd always have the tunnel going off and you could feel (laughs) hear things crashing down on the tunnel when um you know I remember you know pretty disgusting but I remember looking at the back of my coach's uh neck and it was full of spit at times and his uh, suit jacket was full, and yeah, because there was such a. Uh, some gyms were tiny in Greece, and then there's some huge ones like ours and Olympiakos, and some of the gyms were really small. So you're you really close to the fans. So you can hear every, you know, the few words that they know in English were basically about your family. So, you know. <laughs> It was it was crazy, but I you know I kind of I used to love going into those kind of environments. I loved going into an away gym and winning, and you know I really that was my my favorite things to do. So I I used to love that,
0: love doing that. was the hairiest you ever got in terms of? Oh my god! Can I escape from this?
1: Oh, I will tell you the the big when I was in uh, Greece with Aris, the big rival was uh, Pauk. Right, we lost to Pauk. In their gym by like twenty five thirty points, and when we got back to our gym because we took a bus from our gym back to to the to the arena and then back to the gym where our cars were, there was like a few hundred fans waiting for us, so we had to just wait in the gym until the police got them all away so we could actually leave, so we were in the gym for just hiding for an hour or two. While the fans were, you know, so angry that we'd lost this big rival game, we 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 just had to wait till the police got the, got them away so we could actually get in our cars and go home. Yeah, that was probably the scariest because, you know, they were so angry. They obviously came to the gym for a reason, so we just had to wait it out. <laughs>
0: So 2005. Let's get there. You're you're still the only Brit to ever play in a Euroleague final. You're playing for Talavivitori in Spain. Huge yeah. upset of Cheska Moscow in that semi-final. You play Maccabi Tel Aviv in that final. The Maccabi, you know, Saras Yeviskovic,us Anthony Parker, Vizhevich. Yeah, brilliant team. You know, you guys lose to them, but how much? How much is that? The kind of you know is that is that maybe a game where you think? in the time I didn't take it in just how big that occasion was because I mean it's yeah. it's such a huge one and I mean to lose is obviously disappointing but to play <laughs> in that game was massive for you know british basketball at the time
1: it, it it really was an an amazing amazing experience yeah i mean I got I got to play a lot more in the semi final than the final. I had a decent role in the the semi final game against uh, against Cheska. you know, we, who we beat in their home court in the final four, which was an amazing thing because you know Chesca Moscow host the final four. They're not meant to lose in the semi final, you know, so that was incredible to win that game and then yeah to go to the final against at the time the Golden Boys, you know, Maccabi with that team that they had, but the whole final four experience was, was, was amazing. I, I, I have great memories of that. Just, you know, the players that were in that and just the media that was around it and the, the whole thing, the fans and yeah, I I got to play a little bit in the final, but not, not that much, you know, my, my experience in Tao, you know, it was hit and miss, you know, me and the coach didn't, didn't, you know, that I got that back injury when I first got to Tao, which kind of, before the season had even started, which made it tough. I was coming, you know, from an injury and it just never really, me and him never really saw eye to eye. He's amazing, Ivanovic, amazing coach. He's had a great career, um, but, you know, just me and him just never really hit it off. Um, but like in the semifinal, I got some. I got a decent amount of time. Had a had a pretty good game, uh, and then the final, I, I think I only played a few minutes, um, just at the end of a half or something. But yeah, it was two amazing teams. The, you know, the players. I think half of seventy five percent of Tao Tao's players, I think, ended up in the NBA from that game. So that was definitely, I think. Zero to ten, the best team I ever played on was that team that I got to the championship game with of Tau. Yeah.
0: How did, when you have games like that, what what was the mentality for you? Because yeah, you, you know, sometimes you, you had certain teams that you were a fulcrum on, and other times yeah. you were a role player. But, you know, obviously being European basketball, a very specific, important, set out role. But I mean, how how did you mentally kind of adjust? Because even certain games, as you said, sometimes you were fulcrums, and sub next game you would be in a specific role. Was that was that easy for you to adjust to, or how did you make that switch? Sometimes,
1: no, it, it's not. Ne- it's never easy. Um, probably playing, you know, sometimes not giving feeling like you're being given the, the the chance that you you deserve. But you know, you you when you're playing on such a great team, you just have to find your role. You you know, do whatever the do whatever you can and the time that you're given to to help the team, you know, you, there was such an amazing group of guys on that team, that Tau team. We, you know, we had dinner together after every single game and we spent so much. It wasn't just, you know, like I've been on some teams where you finish practice or a game and everyone just goes their own way. That, that team, we, we ate together after every single game and we spent so much. You just want to give everything you've got. And anytime you get on the court, you know, you just want to, do whatever you can to help because you know you had such a strong affection for everyone on the team and you know they they just worked so hard every single day and you know you saw how amazing players they were and you know so you just have to find find your role you know you just work every day to try and show the coach that you're you, you know you're worthy of more time and you know, just, just got to have the right attitude about it.
0: And that was kind of an unusual team because if you look at some of the guys that it won, I mean, Jose Calderon, brilliant NBA career, Lewis Kuhl, yeah, brilliant NBA career, still playing, you know, yeah, amazing. Key, short spell in the NBA, but an amazing yeah. international career, Tiger Splitter, you know, went to the Spurs, had a great time there. I mean, actually, if you think of the personnel there, in retrospect, that was an astonishing group. It's almost, it was, in- almost, it's, a, it's, a, it's a surprise that that was a surprise that they played it.
1: Yeah. Yeah, and you I mean, Machikowskas, you forgot, mm. played in the NBA a little bit. And uh, played a bunch of years in the NBA. Yeah, it just it just goes on and on. Um it, it it really was. I I don't know how they managed to get together such a an an amazing group of guys all on the same team. Um but yeah, it was just a just a privilege looking back to play on, you know, play on such a team to be around such amazing guys and to be, you know, we had such a successful year. Um, yeah. I always look, look back on those years, you know, maybe personally wasn't quite the playing experience for me, like I would have hoped and I'm sure how they would have hoped that. Um, but yeah, just such a amazing, amazing time.
0: I mean, the other two places you won big, you won the Euro Cup with, with Hovintit Badalonians. and so yes. You won the Ukraine League with Budvelnik. Yep. And so it was lots and lots of success. But for you, what was the best season?
1: Uh, me personally, in the way I played, or like you just successful? Your year. Yeah, my favorite year. Yeah, I. I that's a tough one I'd say like um that year with Tao it's, I can't say one season I really can the, the the year with Joventud when we won the Euro, Euro Cup and then the Ike year when we won the Greek Championships they'd be my my favorite uh favorite years just you know I got lucky I had such great great groups of guys on my team I really did, and guys that we, you know, we spent, like I said, we spent so much time together off the court, and yeah, I'd say the, Ike, Ike, the Ike year we won the won the Greek championship, which you know, still no other team except Panathinaikos and Olympiakos have done that, I, probably years before that, and since I left. Um, which was 0, 0, 0, 03, I think we won 0, 02, 0, 3. No, No no team besides them two has come close. So it was amazing to win, to, for Ike to win the championship. Um, yeah, Th- those three would stick out for me.
0: What was the worst year?
1: Uh, probably Reggie Amelia my second year because we actually got relegated that year. Um, so, you know, I that's the only team I've had where we haven't been a contender at all. We've never we had such an amazingly young team. They they just didn't put it together a very good team um at all. So yeah, I'd say that would be my worst my worst year, definitely my second year. Uh, you know, some good guys on good good guys great guys but just in terms of playing we just didn't have the quality at all so it was a struggle
0: What's the worst place you ever had to play in though because you must have despite the fact you played in a lot of very nice arenas and very good spots and, yeah. and absolute cesspots or cesspools you had to go to as well
1: uh do you mean like the team i played for yeah well i mean i played all whole season <laughs> in the ukraine so uh you know, I, I went to some interesting places that year, you know, some eight, 10-hour bus trips through roads that just didn't seem like they were meant to have cars on them. <laughs> and then some gyms and some hotels we stayed in, some of the food that we were given that year. It was just, you know, and this is a, probably the richest team in Ukraine, but it's just the way things were done over there. You know, some of the, some of the things I was served for breakfast, you can't imagine, like, soups and stuff for breakfast i'm like oh my god what are you guys eating and uh yeah i'd say a lot of places i saw that that year in the ukraine were were you know because of the other other cities i played in they were all main you know mainstream basketball cities big cities with you know good facilities and i just say that that year in the ukraine was a whole different was a whole different experience i mean very successful and uh turned out you know it was ended up being a good move but uh just you know the it's just eastern europe some things are different there and you know again you just have to adapt and do the best you can and get your sky tv which i always did no matter where i was a huge expense sometimes i'd uh get a satellite dish put on my building and i'd point it towards where sky was and so I I got by every year with that.
0: Is that one of those years in Ukraine where you sometimes are sitting back and telling us that I'm doing this for the money? that's that's what it's about? Or do you still kind of have to enjoy the experience?
1: That was definitely a money. I mean, yeah. that was the best financial offer I got, you know, that year. Um, you know, the coach was uh, Jose Baracal. He coached a few times in the ACV recently. Um, so it was a Spanish coach who knew me um you know that helped he called me and you know he was taking his I think it was his first head coaching job at the time um just took him took a chance and uh you know knew it wasn't going to be the same as playing in Spain in the ACB and you know I knew that going in i you know I'd played in Europe a long time by this time so i, I felt I could deal with anything um you know, it was it was tough at times, but it wasn't any, even wasn't anything I couldn't handle. So,
0: who was your favorite teammate over the years? Because you played a lot of great players, fun players. You know, who who's, who were the guys that really you enjoyed playing with, basket? Yeah,
1: let me see. So if I go through go through each, you know,
0: I, I still got you know, I'd
1: say Demos uh Ike was great friend at the time, and I still talk with him. Um. You know, he, he's definitely one of my favorites. Um, and then when I went to to Spain, Archibald, obviously, well, I'm sure we'll we'll, we'll talk about. Um, you know, just being same country, playing with him for two years, spending so much time with him and his family, and is what definitely one of my favorites. And then you know, the whole Tau team, like I said, we just spent so much time together you know when my when Lauren was born my first daughter was she was born in Victoria. the whole team came to the hospital mm-hmm. to see her you know just that's just kind of the team it was you know it's just such like a family oriented orientated team um just just a yeah great experience and then um see late yeah, I'd say they're say my main, my main my main my main ones.
0: What was the international experience like for you? Because I mean, your, your career that career was split between England and, and Great Britain. And, you know, you'd you went through that as we I know at the pot noodle era for England when there was there was no yeah. money there for for the program and you know, yeah, just like Leslie, you kind of begged, borrowed, and and steal to, to try and keep things together. I mean, it was but it seemed like you guys had. Such a great camaraderie about it. I mean, guys like you know Steve Button and Roger Huggins, cool. and Ron, you know that that sort of whole the Euro player. But you know, it very much yeah, seems exactly. like you guys have had a a really strong bond to to kind of push through all the adversity that was in your wake with England at the time.
1: Yeah, yeah, we did, and and you know we can't can't give enough credit to to Laszlo um, Nemeth because yeah, he definitely did absolutely everything he could, even going into his own pocket at times to try and make it, the, the, you know, as comfortable for us, for us as he could. And, you know, I think, I don't know if anyone could have done better than he did under the circumstances. You know, it wasn't easy. Um, just the budget, budget-wise, budget you know, it was the absolute minimum of everything at all times. And uh, But like you said, yeah, there were, uh, when I was, you know, I think I... Started when I was 19 with England. Uh, I think I made my my debut, but the, you know there was such an established bunch of veterans there already. Um, you know that made it easier, and they kind of showed you the way to how to deal with it, and you know what you had to do to get by, and just just made it the best we could. You know, um, realized it wasn't wasn't going to get any better anytime soon. At, you know, we just had to. All all come together and you know, just try and put it on the basketball court.
0: I mean you got that one Euro basket finals in, in two thousand and nine, but I mean that those England teams. There was a lot of talent within it. And the guys who were playing you know, like Buck who were playing at the highest levels in Europe and yourself. I mean, did you always kind of feel like if we just had the resources that G B had in that kind of four or five years heading up to the Olympics, that you guys could have Achieve something much more momentous than you did.
1: Yeah, I, I definitely think we could have done uh, could have done a lot better for sure. Do do I, you know, we didn't did we, we we didn't have a Luau Deng or a Pops or you know Joel maybe quite that talent. You know, Buck was uh, Bucknell was probably you know towards the end of his career, and and same with Roger Huggins at that time. And um, but yeah, I definitely think we we could have we could have done. Better than we did if we'd have had yeah the the resources that we had with GB um, at the beginning especially at the beginning with GB um, yeah it, it, yeah I look back and and say we probably probably did with the with the practice time that we had the travelling we had you know ev- just everything we, if we'd have had a bit more we we definitely could have done better.
0: I mean, back in 2012, we kind of joked at the time about you doing with me and in our good friend Rob Dugdale confirming your retirement. And you never kind of officially called it quits in a sense. But what, what did surprise me towards the end is that you you retired from international basketball early in 2011. You know, after yeah, you know, a lot of guys, as it turned out, they did, but a lot of guys would have tried to go on and. Get that final hurrah at the 2012 Olympics. I mean, you'd have still only been 35 then, you still played at least yeah. the year before. I mean, why did you decide not go to go route? And, you know, when you were sitting watching those Olympics, was there not part of you that thought, I've come this massive journey, all the troughs, and the eating hot noodles and road trips, all this kind of stuff, and I missed out on the glamour of playing at this thing? I mean, what, what, what was the thought process to not trying for that? The, the the thought process of me re-
1: retiring from uh, from GB and um, was the fact that at that the last few years before that I was my family was living in in Malaga in Spain and I was going off and playing wherever I was playing at that time because you know I, Lauren was in school and my middle daughter Sienna so we kind of decided that the family were going to stay there so they could stay in the same school finally. And I would just go off and play wherever I was playing. So it was, it was to the point where I was gone all year and then gone all summer with GB every summer. And it just, I just, I'd had enough of it. I just said, enough's enough. I'd been doing this for so long. You know, I can't, I can't do it anymore. So I just said, that's, that's enough. That's enough with GB. But like you said, I do look back at it and wish now that I would have, played that one extra year because yeah it was it was tough to watch you know just the the whole the whole olympic thing i wish i would have experienced it so if i could go back i would definitely say that i would have i would have played one more year but you know it is what it is yeah how could i not i mean just looking at the looking at the guys at the opening ceremony and that just that opening ceremony would have been enough for me just to experience it and uh yeah, playing playing in the in the in the Olympics would have would have been a, a great a great thing to go out on. Her. But you know, it was just probably like a a rash decision. Just but, you know, I was just all you know, family was it still is is everything for me and I just I just made the decision that, you know, enough's enough. But, you know, looking back, I should have done one more.
0: January. Twenty fourth this year, we talked about Robert Archer being one of your teammates, and you, you were the guy that told me uh, the news of his, of his death. And I, I was yeah. at the end of the game. He died, about it. and you know we both knew him very well, you knew him better better than I did. But now you're so set. and Obviously, we know now that he sadly took his own life. But you know, when you when you look back at what happened, you know, we were all in shock that evening. But did you ever sense that was was there for Arch? Because you know, he was, you know, you, you know we saw him on the outside, he was, you know, a happy guy, but he, he could be a little bit pessimistic at times. But as yeah. someone that played with him and you always had his back as a teammate, I mean, could you ever have imagined him being in that dark place? N- no, I mean, he
1: was a complex guy, he was. I mean, I remember when he. Um, he played that year in the Ukraine with Azomash. He he, he didn't have a good time there because um, he didn't like to be away from everyone, and he struggled struggled with you know being away from his wife at times at, at, at his wife at the time. And you know he he was a he was a complex person, and he needed to be around his family. And you know he he, he gave off this obviously fun fun going guy and um life of the party most of the time and but you know there was there was definitely a different side to him but you know you never really know with people you don't you know it's happened a lot recently it 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 seems like the person who you would never think would would do something like that you just really don't know what's going on with people and you know, it seems it's the same with him. It, it, you know, obviously he was going through a lot, a lot darker stuff than anyone, anyone knew. It's yeah, it's just a, just just awful thing.
0: T- uh, do we underestimate sometimes that transition? I and mean, it wasn't just a post basketball thing. With mm-hmm. I mean, do we underestimate sometimes how tough? that transition can be when you're have this lifestyle it's very regimented in your playing yeah. your, you're practicing and you know lots of things are directed for you you know where you need to be in a particular day and everything and then you come out of that and it's you know it's a very different universe from being a player to being a non-player
1: yeah i think i think so i mean yeah you you go from like you said every day being you know knowing exactly what you're going to do um, set routine, um, you know, people knowing who you are, uh, you know, you semi, you know, depending on where you play, how good you are, semi-famous and all of a sudden stops and, you know, you go to wherever you, you live and that's it. You kind of like, oh, what do I do now? And nobody knows who I am. And it's just such a, such a huge change. And yeah, I guess some people deal with it. Um, better than others um you know and e- each person's different with that and you know man with, with him uh you know I, I kind of lost I haven't I hadn't talked to him for a, even a, a whole year I think it was and you know i I I know he he'd been for a, he, he went through a divorce the same as me and um I know you know, obviously that's never easy you know he had didn't see his kid, you know 100 percent of the time anymore and you know i i don't know exactly what else was going on but you know everyone everyone struggles with uh different things and you know some people are able to to deal with things some people aren't and um you know, I just wish that I'd uh, reached out. You know, in the last year or so, to see how he was, and you know, who knows? Maybe, you know, talking to a, to an old friend would have made a difference. You know, so you know, I I think about that a lot. You know, who knows what 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 could I have done to to help and. But yeah, it's just a sad, sad thing.
0: I think a lot of us felt that. I mean, I right think here in a chair, we, we spoke about this on on broadcast, and I suppose the thing is that much as I think all of us were affected by because it, it's someone you know, that's yeah, you, know, you don't expect it. And it's it's very different. But I guess you know, you also look back, and, and you know, his dad said this to me as well. He had an incredible life for what for you know for for so many reasons. And I wonder for you what what is the the memory that will stick with you of him from from being his friend and his teammate for so long.
1: What a funny guy he was. Genuinely, he was just a comedic, like I've never laughed so hard at some of the stuff that he used to do. You know, like like, some of my best memories of that year in Joven 2 to some of the stuff we used to to get up to on the road and the, the road trips and, yeah, just the times... Um, you know hanging out drinking with him after after games you know just a genuinely funny guy man like you know made me laugh so much and yeah just just a great guy to, to 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 play with and hang around and yeah gonna gonna miss miss talking to
0: him man yeah it was one of a kind let's talk about something a bit more happier in the current your daughter lost. yeah Won the FIBA Americas Under 16 Championship with the USA last year. I mean, she is, we're not understating this, one of the top young players in the US. Has won all sorts of awards. I mean, what's it like for you being on the other side of this now as a parent? <laughs> it's amazing. You know, it, it,
1: I just feel, you know, proud of her so much watching her, the, what she's able to, able to do on the court. I mean, she just, you know, in such a short time again, she's developed so much and you know dominating games when when you know it's just the way she dominates games at both ends of the court is uh yeah she just she just makes me so proud and you know this is just the beginning really it really is I mean she's got two more years of high school and and then she'll you know she'll definitely go on to play division one basketball and I'm hoping she'll you know it looks like she'll have the choice of school so Sky's really the limit for her, so yeah, I just just happy to, to be along for the ride.
0: She is, of course, or wasn't but still is eligible for Great Britain. And you explored that option for her, as did she and you know, following in your footsteps in some respects. But why from your perspective, why did that not happen? Um,
1: you know, we, I remember talking to you um before there was any sign of her playing for usa because you know a long time i was like wow to, to get to play for the u.s national team that's kind of a you know that is so unbelievably difficult i don't know if that's ever going to happen you know even as good as she is the the level of talent in this country is just it's, it's incredible so you know there's there's times when she's she was developing and um me and you talked about it didn't we and uh i think Mark Clark reached out a little and then also the the head of the U16 England team. I don't I don't remember her name now. But you know there really wasn't any fur intent, you know, by them it seems to to get her involved. There was brief messages but it kind of just died. And you know with us being over here in uh, in the states which you know the, the logistical stuff of that kind of makes it a little bit more more hard um, t- 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 to get her to, with these people. But as soon as the USA stuff happened, you know, if you have a choice, I mean, let's be frank, if you have a choice between playing for the US national team and, and Great Britain, you, you anyone's going to take the US. You know, she's half American, half British. So, you know, she has as much... Her, personally, she has as much, you know, love for the the US and the, the stuff over here as, as Great Britain. So, you know, she's going to take that chance, um, opportunity, I mean, to play for them. And, uh, you know, who knows in the future? She's going to stick with... I, I'd say she'd stick with the US national team until it's not an option anymore. But, yeah, I, I, she does still have the chance to to play for Great Britain in the future if, if uh, we just have to see what happens with the U.S. national team. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I'd, I'd be so happy to see her in a GB jersey too. Uh, You know, I, obviously I think she'll bring so much to the team. I mean, she could, you know, hopefully take it to another level. So, We'll just have to see what happens. You know, playing for the junior teams is one thing, but getting to that US senior—that's the toughest one. So, just have to see. I think she's supposed to play U17 World Championships in Romania this year. Depends what happens with the with the corona, because everything's being cancelled. Her summer, her summer schedules keeps getting taken away month by month. So, they've already cancelled the. Part of the training camp, the tryouts for the U seventeen world So we'll just have to see what happens.
0: The US has gained, as GB's loss Canada, but <laughs> yeah, see it's... What happens.
1: yeah, yeah. There's a, there's a. You know, she's got a lot of years left yet. So, and it, you know, yeah, like you said, we'll just see what happens.
0: Last couple of things. All the experience you've got, and you're you now doing some coaching at a high school level as well. But you know, we've seen, you know, the way that federations, particularly in Spain and France, but you know, elsewhere, fine to, you know they they keep their former players close to their hearts, in the fold, etc. I mean yeah. have you ever really had that approach to come back here you know, and do a clinic, you know, get you know, give your advice, been asked for your opinion. I mean, is is has that outreach ever been there? No.
1: No, not zero. I mean I don't I don't feel I don't hold any ill will towards anyone. I probably me, me being over here in the in in the states you know has made some of that you know the way it is but no i've i've not heard i've not really heard anything from anyone over there um i you know i it's been in my mind um to 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 maybe see if i could get involved um you know with the national team some of it you know to help you know with the bigs and stuff like that to see if i could you know help a little bit with the with, with the national team um but no i've i've never heard anything at all since i uh since i moved moved over here so you know um still follow them you know support them and uh glad to see that you know that they've, they've had the pretty pretty good success recently um with the you know good they got a good group good core of guys over there could be even better still I think uh, still a few guys who maybe could be playing um, it would help but uh, I think you know they, they, they're doing okay at the moment and um, you know wish them all the success
0: I know mean, you, you spend a lot of time still watching basketball and you yeah. know games and stuff like that know, you know, there's so many of your peers like Pops Metsabonte is up in the, you know, running the G League team in Washington the walls doing his thing with south sudan and you know there's, there's guys that have got into little pockets pockets of influence i mean i'm not sure yeah. i'm not sure kind of your generation you aren't quite in that olympic team but i'm not sure that sort of group do you do you guys still sort of keep in touch because you a lot of you guys have done really impressive things since, of course, Nate, of course gb coaching as well and do you have that still have that little network
1: right now yeah i still um you know we're there's a few guys. Facebook, you know, is always the main thing where you see what people are doing and you stay in touch through that. But yeah, I I still talk to, you know, Chris Haslam's obviously doing great in his coaching college. And I speak to Drew Sullivan, obviously, with the stuff that he's doing and pops. And um, I see Nate. Nate's doing great things with his coaching and yeah, I'd say we all stay we all stay in touch through Facebook and stuff like that. And yeah, I, I love loving seeing what all the guys are doing.
0: Really be a big Eurobasket two thousand nine reunion in nine years time. Yeah, I know that
1: would be great. It, it would be great. It would be great actually to to see. Yeah, because actually I haven't seen them in the flesh for you know many years. So that would that would be great. It would be great for us all to get together one time. It'd be tough to do. Logistically, but hopefully, we could do it.
0: I remember actually my favorite moment of that because it was in Poland and I gave an interview to Polish, Polish answered to Sky News. I was asked you know, my honest opinion of what I thought of of your, the, the city, and the host, and I wasn't that complimentary. I remember getting dogs abuse on it, must, it must have been Twitter even then, and you know, I've been asked to do another interview by another station to explain my comments. So I can't think it was my, you know, it was the only time that I experienced what you experienced going into a hostel arena in Greece. And somewhere came out of it alive, but uh, yeah, <laughs> a very good tournament indeed. Yeah,
1: yeah, it was a yeah. tough, tough group we had. We had like then we have like Serbia, Slovenia, and Spain in our. Yes, the group of death. Yeah, it was it was a, t- a tough group, really was. So yeah, that was to make it out of that group would have been a miracle. Although we, they famously, I didn't play in that game. I was I was injured, but they nearly, they had a great chance of beating Spain that year, didn't they? They were. A
0: shot or two away, very close, but not too. Yeah, early, like so many things with GB over the years. But anyway, yeah, Andy, bet it's been a pleasure having you on it, and um, it was always so much fun covering your career, and it's so it always good to look back on it. And um, but continued success to to you and your your family, I'm sure. That, and, your daughter's not the only one coming through, so we'll keep an eye on the-
1: No, no, I got a, I got, a, I got a couple more you'll be hearing from in a few years, trust me,
0: yeah. <laughs> we wouldn't see them with success, but okay. stay safe.
1: All right, thanks a lot, man.
0: That's it for this edition of the MVP Cast. You can get all our editions via our website at MVP247.com or subscribe via your preferred provider. We'll have another edition very, very soon but from you, Mark Woods. Stay safe. Goodbye for now.